The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleya of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Oh, we bless your name, Father. Thank you so much, Lord. Praise God. Amen. All right. You may have a seat. I want to. I want us to. I want us to, uh, as much as possible, get into the teaching. Praise the Lord. Get into the teaching as much as possible. Okay, so. How many of you learned a bit from yesterday? We looked at Genesis chapter 11 and how that um, one language was connected to man building and we're able to see, all right, and other pattern examples, all right, just as men had one language and built a tower or attempted to build a tower because they had one language, all right, we could also see that God's agenda on the earth is going to actually spread, all right, through, all right, one, all right, one language also. Now, we're going to be going a bit deeper today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, first, you know, we said that the giving of the Spirit is proof that Jesus has been glorified. Hallelujah. The giving of the Spirit is proof that Jesus has been glorified. Okay, so that means, all right, when the Spirit was given, Acts of Apostles chapter 2, it was proof, okay, that all of the prophecies, all of the typology, all the prophecies of the prophets, and all of the typologies, all right, in Moses had been fulfilled in Christ. So because it had been fulfilled, God, all right, was now given the Spirit. Because we read in St. John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 37, all right, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been what? Been glorified. Hallelujah. And you now find out that one of the things we find when people get filled with the Spirit and begin to speak in tongues, all right? For example, if you look up the book of Acts of Apostles, you're going to find out that five times people got filled with the Holy Ghost. Five times people got filled with the Holy Ghost. We have Acts 2, 1 to 4. So we have five recorded instances where we got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 1 to 4, we have Acts of Apostles, chapter number 10, 38 to 46. We have um, Acts of Apostles, chapter number 8 in Samaria. Then we have Acts of Apostles, chapter number 19, all right, in the city of Ephesus, all right. Then we have Acts of Apostles, chapter number 9, that was Saul. Now, in all of these instances of people get, getting filled with the Spirit, we have it strictly implied, all right, that in Three of those instances, people spoke in tongues. That is Acts 2, 1 to 4, Acts 19, 1 to 6, and Acts 10, 38, um, 30, uh, yeah, 32 to 46, or 38 to 46. All right. The other two, we don't have it um, directly mentioned that they spoke with tongues, and that is in Samaria, in Acts of Apostles chapter 8, and with Apostle Paul in Acts of Apostles chapter 9. Now, we can clearly state that Apostle Paul obviously spoke in tongues because Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God that I speak with tongues, what? 
more than ye all. So that means that obviously when he got filled with the spirit, all right, he spoke with tongues. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Then when we now look at Acts of Apostles chapter number eight, all right, and you say, okay, so where is tongues there? Well, the Bible lets us know that when um, Simon the sorcerer saw that Peter and John laid their hands on the people of Samaria, all right, something was given. He came on to Peter and, uh, and John and said, he came to Peter, he said, he offered them money, hallelujah, and said, give me also this power that whomsoever I shall lay my hands on, they shall also what? Receive the spirit. Now, look at what Peter says to him. Let's even turn in there so that we can ask it quickly. Hallelujah. Now, look at what it says in verse 20. Okay, let's start from verse 19. 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of, hand, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Notice something it says, through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. You cannot see Holy Ghost, but you can see the influence, the impact of the Spirit. Praise God. He said the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Now, the word matter here, praise the Lord, all right, is the Greek word logos. And logos, all right, can um, also is used to refer, all right, for that which is spoken, speech. Hallelujah. Speech. So when he says you have no portion in this matter, he's saying you have no portion in this speech. That means in the utterances you are seen following the laying on of hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it's implied there that there was some speaking associated all right, with the laying on of hands of Peter and John when they laid hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. And remember that, all right, after Samaria had received the gospel, it was so important for them to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that the church in Jerusalem sent Peter, Apostle Peter and John, to go there and make sure that happens. Now, we're going to be answering some questions, all right, around, along um, the, 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 um, those lines today. All right, so... If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse um, 4 to 11, you're going to find something interesting in that, you know, we said three times people spoke in tongues. Out of the five times, people were recorded to be filled with the Spirit. Out of those three times people spoke in tongues, all right, we have once where it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied, that is Acts 19, 6, and twice where it says they spoke in tongues and magnified God. Hallelujah. All right, spoke in tongues and magnified God. So we find that the primary com communication or the primary or most common interpretation of tongues is that it offers what? Magnification to God. It offers what? Praise to God. Why is the spirit rejoicing? Why is the spirit magnifying God when, all right, giving expression? It's giving um, expression in rejoicing because the spirit of God is so full of Praise and gladness in that, all right, the glorification of Jesus has occurred. And now man is not distant from God. Man is now a home for God. So when a man speaks in other tongues, hallelujah, the first thing he does is that he magnifies God. 
he glorifies God for making him his eternal dwelling place. Can you see that? Can you see that? So in Acts 2, all right, in verse 11, it says, We hear them speak in our own language, um, um, languages the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. The wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. So they are praising God for the wonder, his wonderful works. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now let us continue. Now, man, the man in Christ, all right, is alive to God. Look at Acts of um, Ephesians chapter number two. He's alive to God. And because he's alive to God, praise God, amen, he, 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 his dialect, his chain. Look at it, Acts 2, 1. He says, and you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. All right, the earthly languages are actually the uh, the dialect of the fallen man. The earthly languages are actually the dialect of the men that are ruled by death. Glory to God. All right, it's communication in a form, glory to God, that reveals the 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 fallen nature of man. Hallelujah. All right, the fallen nature of man. Like we saw in Genesis chapter 11, all right, all right, the languages of the earth reveal the division and the confusion in man having been separated from God. Glory to God. All right, separated from God, and the dialect he speaks can only exude death because it is a dialect that was born out of a life of separation from God, a life of rebellion against God, and a life that is apart from God. Amen. All right. But the man in Christ is alive to God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He says, by one man, sin entered into the world. Amen. And death by sin. Amen. Remember we said that death is separation from God and life is what? Union with God. Remember that. So, you see, the man who is not born again, the man who has not received Jesus is still in spiritual death. Glory to God. He is in spiritual death, and death has dominion over him. So he cannot communicate life. He cannot communicate spirit. His dialect cannot be life. His dialect cannot be spirit. Now, remember what we said, that death is separation from God. Life is union with God. So when we say he cannot communicate life, we are saying that he cannot communicate things, hallelujah, that pertains to union with God. That's what we are saying. Hallelujah. He cannot communicate things that pertain to union with God because he is not united with God. He is separated from God. Hallelujah. He is separated from God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, in Christ, man is quickened. He is made alive. Hallelujah. He is made alive to God. Go back to Ephesians 2 from verse 1 and we read to verse 5. Ephesians 2 from verse 1 into 5. Quickly. Yes, it says, and you had he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice something. This, you know, Ephesians 2.1 shows us two locations. It says, you had he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Which means there are two kinds of men in this earth. You have one, the guy that has been quickened, glory to God. And two, the one who is dead in trespasses and sins. Praise the Lord. He says, and you are the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. So the guy who is dead in trespasses and sins is dead. He is cut off from the life of God. He is cut off from the nature of God. Hallelujah. 
But the one who is quickened, Zoe Poro, is the one who has been enlivened with life. Hallelujah. With life. Now let's continue in verse 2. It now says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, course of this world, including their languages, course of this world, including their civilization. Notice something. All right. There is a civilization on the earth that stemmed from, hallelujah, the languages of the earth, the communications of the earth. Amen. Amen. A new kind of life would mean that there would be a new kind of civilization. Are you following what I'm saying? A new kind of life would mean there's a new kind of civilization. So to start a new civilization based on the spirit, a new life type of life had to be given. So with men, with, they have received a new life. There's got to be a new dialect. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. He said, where in time as you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Look this. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So there is a spirit at work in the children of disobedience. That's not sort of our addition today. Look at verse 3 quickly. Among whom also we all had our conversation, that's behavior, in time past, in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. All right. Verse 4 now says, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5, he now says, Even when we're dead in sins, hath quickened us where together with Christ, by grace ye are what? Saved. So the quickening was not a quickening by ourselves, it's a quickening together with Christ. Remember, life is union. Death is what? Separation. So we are quickened together with Christ. That quickening together is what is called eternal life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Which means our destiny is joined to Christ. Are you following? Our destiny is what? Joined to Christ. What happens to Christ happens to us. Where Christ goes, we go. So we were quickened together with him. So that our eternal salvation is no longer dependent on us, but dependent on him. Are you following? Exactly. Very important for you to see. So when you see that quickened together, uh, joined to the Lord, those expressions are communicating eternal life. They are just expressions com communicating eternal life. Praise God. Now look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. Colossians 2, 13. The man who is alive to God. Hallelujah, has a new dialect. Tongues is the dialect of the spiritually alive. Tongues is the dialect of the spiritually alive. Just as when a baby is born, we get to know by the cry of that baby. That's the same way when a man is born again, we will get to know by his ability to talk in tongues. Praise the Lord. When you go to scriptures, you're going to find out that it was only once that people heard the gospel and didn't immediately begin to speak in tongues. Once. And that's the Samarian example. Hallelujah. That's the Samarian example. Once. Every other time, when they heard Acts of Apostles, the Bible says, Why Peter yet speak? The Holy Ghost did what? Fell on them. In Acts 2, Holy Ghost fell, they began to speak. Praise God. Praise God. Are you following? Which means that, and we see in the Acts of Apostle chapter 8 example, I think I will get there because it's my sermon note. In the Acts 8 example, we now begin to find why the Samarians didn't get filled 
and begin to speak. The issue was Philip. Philip did not tell them anything about, you understand? Because if you look at Acts 8, you find that Philip went there preaching Jesus. Praise God. So people are going to have faith based on what you preach. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. What you don't tell people, people don't believe for. So that's why, you know, Peter and John had to come. So the question was, the question therefore is this. Is it that, um, is the issue that maybe Philip did not know or did not have the knowledge is possible? It's possible. Maybe at that level, at that stage of his development, he didn't know that he could get people filled with the Spirit. Maybe he felt at his level, at that level, that he needed the apostles to come for people to be impacted with the Spirit. Maybe that was the level of revelation he was operating in. All right? Uh, you find out very importantly that the Lord corrects in that same Acts of Apostles, because in the very next chapter, Acts 9, because in Acts 8, they sent for Peter and John to get people filled. So if you stopped Acts of Apostles in Acts of Apostles chapter 8, you would think that it was only the foundational apostles that could get people talking in tongues. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. All right, that's what you think. But how did God correct it? In Acts 9, the correction comes. In that a certain disciple called Ananias was the one that got a great apostle Paul filled with the Spirit. A certain disciple. A certain disciple. Philip was not a certain disciple. Philip was an evangelist. But this guy, Ananias, a certain disciple, it was not even a ministry gift. Why? Because the Lord wanted us to see that it didn't take a ministry gift to get people filled with the Spirit. It took only a Christian to get people filled with the Spirit. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, let us continue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Why does this keep refreshing like this? All right, so we've seen that. Now, let us now continue along the lines that we are laying, we're laying a foundation on this night. So, we've seen that tongues, all right, is a language of the new civilization, okay? And I said, if you open Colossians chapter 2 verse 13, it says, And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him? Having forgiven all your word trespasses. Note this. This means, hallelujah, that the man in Christ is the one that has received forgiveness. And because he has received forgiveness, he is at peace with God. Hallelujah. He is at peace with God. He has been reconciled with God. He is on God's side. Therefore, it means that the spirit being given to the man in Christ is proof that he has received what? Forgiveness is proof that he has been reconciled what? with God. He's proof that he has what? Peace with God. For the Holy Ghost only indwells men and women who are at peace with God, who have peace with God. Praise God. So the giving of the Spirit is proof that you are forgiven. Remember we said, and we've said it several times, forgiveness is not an incremental deposit. God does not forgive you per day. No. He, for, he has forgiven you in Christ. The Bible never speaks of forgiveness. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> the Bible never speaks of forgiveness as something that is in the future. 
He always speaks of forgiveness as something that has happened. Ephesians 4.32. Praise God. Colossians 3.13. He tells you, all right, all right, as, God, uh, as Christ forgave us. He will tell you, as Christ forgave us, forgive one another. So he's telling you that even before you sinned, God had already forgiven you in, uh, you know, ahead. God practices advanced forgiveness. Practice the same. That's what he's saying. Hallelujah. He practices advanced forgiveness. So he forgives you your past, present, and future sins as an example to you to forgive your brethren all the sins they commit against you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, listen. That spirit being given to you is proof that you have received that forgiveness. Hallelujah. Which means tongues is the language, the dialect of the forgiven. Only the forgiven can speak in tongues. So whenever you are praying for someone to, to begin to talk in tongues, and the person can't, find out whether that person has received forgiveness. Find out whether that person has believed the gospel. Because until a man believes the gospel, he cannot receive the spirit. He can mimic the tongues. But he cannot receive the spirit. Because the spirit is given when the gospel is believed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Christ is the gift of God to the world. But the Holy Ghost is the gift of Christ to the saved. Until the man is saved, he cannot receive the gift of Christ. Until the man is saved, he cannot receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. So tongues is a dialect of those who are at peace with God. Tongues is a dialect of the reconciled. So when a man is speaking in tongues, we know, wow, that guy is reconciled with God. When a man is speaking in tongues, we say, wow, that guy is, has received forgiveness of sins. When a man is speaking in tongues, we're saying, wow, that guy, all right, uh, is on God's side. Hallelujah. Because tongues is actually evidence of reconciliation. Tongues is actually evidence of unity. Tongues is evidence of oneness with God. Hallelujah. So when you are speaking in tongues, you are exercising oneness. When you are speaking in tongues, you are exercising. So we, are, we get to know you. We discover your identity in that exercise of tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So do not allow, all right, whatever challenges you are going through derail you. Understand that, oh, if you have received the Spirit, you are forgiven. If you have received the Spirit, hallelujah, you are at peace with God. If you have received the Spirit, glory to God, you have reconciliation. Say, Allah, I have reconciliation with God. I have forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. We've said many times, forgiveness of sin does not mean that we go about sinning. No, that's not what we do. Praise God. Praise God. That's not what we do. So the new creation is a quickened man. The new creation is the man who is alive to God and in God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So the first view we have of men and women quickened or made alive to God, we find in Acts 2, 1 to 4. And in Acts 2, 1 to 4, like we read yesterday and therefore, we saw, all right, that these men and women, when they became alive to God, their faculties also came alive. Remember that? We said they became awakened in their sights and became awakened in their sounds. So, the man who has been born again, glory to God, has the ability to see and hear. He has the ability to what? See and hear. He has upgraded spiritual faculties. 
upgraded spiritual faculties. Now, let me say it quickly. The unsaved man can see, all right, um, he can see into the spiritual realm. The unsaved man, all right, the unsaved man can have dreams. How many of you have, you know, people that will have dreams and the dreams will be very, very accurate? You understand? All right? Because man, as a person, has that capacity, okay, to dream. Okay? All right? Natural. He can dream and um, God can reveal something to him in his mercy. For example, in Acts 10, Cornelius had a vision. And it was a vision, all right, with an angel. Then, we, you know, and the angel gave him specific instructions. You remember that? All right. Then we now have um, um, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and that dream was from God. You understand? So man has the capacity to receive. But you see, in the man in Christ, it is upgraded. In that, because the man is born again, and the Holy Ghost is not outside of him trying to influence him from the outside, but the Holy Ghost is inside of him. Praise God. Hallelujah. This man, these experiences, this instruction, this leading of the Spirit becomes normal, available to this man 24 hours of the day, seven days a week. Praise God. Praise God. 24 hours a day, seven days of the week, it's available to this man. You notice something. In the two examples I cited to you, in Nebuchadnezzar's case and in Cornelius' case, they had to look for a man. Remember? All right? In Nebuchadnezzar's case, they had to look for Daniel. Praise God. In whom dwell the spirit of the gods. And in uh, Cornelius' case, they had to look for who? Peter. Why? Showing that both men, okay, who saw the visions and had the dream were lacking in something. Are you following what I'm saying? Very important. So there is a difference. There is a difference. So don't let somebody say you say, oh, I'm not born again, but God speaks to me in dreams. Okay? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You have to be born again. You have to receive the life and nature of Christ in you. Praise God. All right. So very, um, um, very, very important for us to see this and understand. All right. Um, moving forward. Now. So, in Acts 1 to 4, we see those who were alive, quick and make alive to God. We find them, all right, we find that they began to see in the realm of the Spirit and began to speak in the Spirit. Okay? For Gentiles, as for Jews in Acts 2, 1 to 4, for Gentiles in Acts 10, 38 to 44, we find the same thing happening, only that we see that utterance was what was demonstrated they spoke in tongues and they were and they magnified god in acts 10 38 and 44 then in ephesus in acts 19 1 to 6 all right we find that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied so tongues is an ability the man in christ is born with listen it's an ability the man in christ is what born with the moment a man gets born again, the ability to flow with every flow in every single thing available in the Holy Ghost is factory fitted into the man. It's in him. It is abinibi. You understand? It's in the man. So the moment he is born again, that those abilities are in him. Praise God. They are in him. Now he needs to now learn. How to what? Manifest. He needs to now be trained. You understand? But they are in him. 
Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. They are in him. In him. Glory to God. All right. Because we've seen that at the beginning of the um, born-again experiences of these men, they began to flow in these things, which means it comes with the package. It came with it. Hallelujah. So it is intrinsic to, the be to his being. It's intrinsic. It's part and parcel of the man in Christ. Now, to understand this, let us go deeper into the spiritual anatomy of the man in Christ. Now, Jesus explained to Nicodemus, shows us that the man in Christ is born of the Spirit. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. The book of John chapter 3 and from verse 3 to 8. John 3. Now, look at what he says. This is Jesus teaching Nicodemus, a, 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 a ruler in the synagogue. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. All right. Next verse. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? <laughs> can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can you imagine? So, so, so amazing. You know, when the Bible tells you, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, I don't think there's any verse of scripture that exemplifies that than this. Hallelujah. Think about it. Look at what he says. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then this guy says, I mean, how can a man be born after he's old? Can he enter his second time into his mother's womb? Jesus was talking about the spiritual reality. This guy heard it and translated it as a natural phenomenon. He said, can he, all right, can he what? He said, he said can he enter a second time in his mother's womb? Jesus answered, very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot what? Enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I've taught you many times that when he says, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, all right, there is a rule, because this is in Greek, obviously, all right, the Bible was written, all right, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in, in Greek. And I told you many times that the Holy Ghost communicates all right, his thoughts and his plans through grammar. Remember that? I think I said that first day or second day. Grammar. So for you to understand what the Spirit is saying, you need to understand the what? The grammar. Hallelujah. You need to understand the what? The grammar. Now, all right, when he says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. In the Greek, when you have, all right, two nouns, all right, brought together by a conjunction, all right, with a definite article, before one of the nouns, all right, it means that the two nouns mean one and the same thing, all right. In in Greek um, uh, Greek grammar, that is what is called the Grand Bishop Rule, all right, or the Cairo, K-A-I, Cairo. So when it says, except a man be born of water, all right, and of the spirit, water and of the spirit, it says water and of the spirit. So, for example, if you even check, the word and there is the Greek word kai. If you check in some of your Bible apps with the, this and you'll find that they will give you other alternatives for and, all right, as even, all right, or therefore, or that is. You understand? So, when you say, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, or a man be born of water, even, of the spirit, or a man in of water that is of the spirit. What is he telling you? He's telling you that the water is a metaphor for what the spirit. This agrees with Saint John's Gospel, chapter seven, verse seven, where Jesus Christ said, "What um, 
when the Bible says, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Then John puts this in parentheses, this speak key of the spirit. For the spirit is not given because Jesus has not yet been what? Glorified. So, living water there is metaphorical for what? The spirit. In John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus talks about a well of water springing up onto what? Everlasting life. So, water is metaphor, a metaphor, is used as a metaphor to talk about the operation of the spirit. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? All right. So when he says, all right, in Matthew, um, sorry, when he says in John, all right, except a man be born of water, that is spirit, or that, that except a man, of, man be born of water um, um, and of the spirit, he's not talking about water baptism. Water there is not water baptism, and water there is not the word. Praise the Lord. Water there is not water baptism, and water there is not the word. I used to teach that before, because that was what my teachers taught me when he says, except a man be born of water. I used to think that the water was the word. You understand? You can't, you don't do that in Bible interpretation. You don't just assume a meaning, because the, you cannot find that within the context of this scripture that the water there is the word. No, the water there is the spirit. And if you look at consistency in the entire John 7, when water is used, all right, in connection of what I use as a metaphor, is usually referring to who? The Spirit. Glory to God. In fact, if you look at Matthew 2 and said, um, I indeed baptize you with water, but there cometh one mightier than I, who will baptize you with what? With the Holy Ghost and with what fire. So what John the Baptist was saying, essentially, is that water is the metaphor under the Old Testament, which Jesus is going to bring the substance under the New Testament. So what John was doing, in putting people underwater is what Jesus will do in putting people in the Holy Ghost. Are you following? So he puts them underwater and brings them at the new man. It's not the substance. It's a shadow. But in Christ Jesus, they will have the substance, having been submerged in the Holy Ghost and arise as new men, indwelt by the Spirit. Are you following? Glory to God. All righty. So, Jesus tells us, all right, that except a man be born of water, that is the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. All right? The kingdom of God is the Holy Ghost, the realm of the Spirit. So, um, the man in Christ is born of the Holy Ghost. The man in Christ is born of God. All right? The man in Christ has the DNA of God because he is born of him. Is born of him. Now, if he is born of God, let's continue reading. Verse 6. Before I say the statement, I want to say it. Yeah. He said, now, everybody read one to go. He says what? That which is born of the flesh is what? Read it again. That which is born of the flesh is what? Again. That which is born of the flesh is what? Notice, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Which means, the man who is born of the flesh Bears the characteristics of the flesh. Has the attributes of the flesh. Hallelujah. Now, flesh in this context is not bad. It's just saying, you know, the natural means. That which is born of the natural is natural. Hallelujah. That which is born of the natural is natural. He now says that which is born of the spirit is what? Spirit. So if the Holy Ghost is going to give birth, he will give birth after his kind. I, I. If the Holy Ghost is going to multiply himself everywhere, he will multiply afterward his kind. So that means <clears throat> Holy Ghost in Mr. A and Holy Ghost in Mr. B, they can do the same thing. 
If your Holy Ghost cannot do the same thing, your Holy Ghost is counterfeit. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Then your Holy Ghost is counterfeit. Hallelujah. So we are born of the Spirit of God. Look at Titus chapter number 3. Titus 3 and 5 to 8. We are born of the Spirit of God. So because we are born of Him, we know that all of the qualities and the characteristics in the Holy Ghost is in us. Why? We are born of this. Listen, we, are, we don't just have the Holy Ghost. We are born of Him. Do you understand what it means? We are born of Him. We are born of this fabric of the Spirit. Glory to God. We are born of Him. Amen. He has reproduced Himself in us. Born of Him. Titus 3. Verse 5, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, look at it, according to his mercy, he saved us by the what? Washing of what? Regeneration. And renewing of the what? That word washing is the Greek, all right, Lutro is talking about baptism, baptism of regeneration. Then renewing is polygenesia. Polygenesia, all right? That is, it's like, it's like receiving the DNA of the Holy Ghost. Transformation of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Of the Holy Ghost. So that means if we look at the believer and look at him and x-ray him in his spirit, what we find in his spirit is the Holy Ghost. What does Holy Ghost mean? Holy Ghost. It's not a name. Ghost is spirit. Is that not it? Right? Ghost is what? Is spirit. Holy means he's separate from every other spirit. So if I say that the believer has the Holy Spirit, we are saying, all right, he has what? The Spirit of God that is different from every other spirit. And God is telling you that how you got that Spirit of God that is different from every other spirit is that that Spirit gave birth to you. Did you get that? Did you get it? So, the Holy Spirit is a description of the kind of spirit that you have. He's holy, that means he's separate from other spirits, and his spirit in that is not physical. You can't see him with your eyes, but his effect can be felt. The wind bloweth where it listeth, you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going to. So it is with everyone that is what? Born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So we cannot tell, we cannot see the wind, but we can see his effects. So, we are able to tell the man is, who is born of the Spirit, all right, by the steps and the activities of that man. Oh, did you get what I just said? The wind blows where it listed. We cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So, it is with every man that is what? Born of the Spirit. So, we can't see the wind, but we can see the effect. Of the wind. And he says, so is with every man who is born of the Spirit. So the man who is born of the Spirit, we will not be able to tell who is born, except in their activities. It is by their activities we will know who is born of the flesh, and who is born of what? The Spirit. That's sign we get to see from Scripture, that a man's activity is inspired by being united with Christ, his tongues. Hallelujah. Tongues, utterance. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Are you with us so far? Okay. Now, let's continue. Hmm. We're going to explain very soon now what it now therefore means to be filled with the Spirit. Okay. Now, so the man in Christ is born of the Spirit. This means that everything in the Spirit, all right, he has intrinsic to him. The faculties of the Spirit are intrinsic to him. We don't just have the Spirit as a guest. We are born of him. We are one with him. There is no separation. There is no distance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are intimate with the Spirit. Glory to God. You know when we say we want to, uh, you know, people say things like, I want to be close to you. I want to be close to God. Now, I get what they are trying to say, all right? What they are trying to say is they want to be close to God in their consciousness. Praise God. So, so how many of you have ever felt far from God? Felt. I use felt. You felt far from God. How will you know that your feelings will lie to you? How many of you know your feelings will lie to you? And, and you, you cannot make your conversation concerning your identity based on your feelings. You cannot talk about who you are in Christ based on your feelings. Because if you did that, you will be wrong. You will be wrong. The believer is as intimate with God as he would ever be. Glory to God. You cannot get more intimate as he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Praise God. You, it doesn't get any more intimate than that. You cannot be closer, all right, to God as we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Hallelujah. Listen to me. It says there that we are members of Jesus' body. That is Ephesians chapter number 4. Is it Ephesians 4, 30? It says, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. That means when you touch the body of, when you touch me, Jesus feels it. That's why when Saul was persecuting the church, Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why was it thou me? Because we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So what is illegal on his body is illegal to me. It is illegal for COVID to latch on to the body of Jesus. So it's illegal for COVID to latch on to me. Because I'm a member of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, they that are born of the flesh, that which is of the flesh is of the flesh, that which is of the spirit. Listen to me. The believer that does not learn how to switch out of the natural into the supernatural will live a life that is the same with the natural. Praise God. You know, there are some of you that when you feel some symptoms in your body, all you need is rest. Don't immediately assume you caught something. You are, it's not easy for something for you to catch something. Don't just easily assume. Praise God. You are more powerful than you know. Praise God. I said, praise God. Hallelujah. The things you are thinking are, um, you've caught are afraid of catching you. Don't be so, you understand? Don't be so caught up in the natural way of thinking that you suspend the supernatural way of thinking. And don't also forget that the supernatural way of thinking, we attract persecution from those who are born after the flesh. 
So don't expect that those who are born out of the flesh will form a clubhouse with you, discussing things. No, they will rebel against you and persecute you. Hallelujah. So when you say, I refuse, I cannot be sick, they'll say, hey, what? you have come again. Do you understand? When you start talking like that, you are going to, they're going to call you names. Hallelujah. So I can never be confused in my life. When you say that, people are going to know, ah, no, everyone can get confused once, you know, you know in this life, there's confusion sometimes, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> that I have received the Holy Ghost. I will never be confused. Never. Never. Hallelujah. So we don't have the spirit as a guest. We are born of him. Born of him. Glory to God. Everything in the Holy Ghost is in us because he is our father. You hear what I said? The Holy Ghost is our father. He gave birth to us. He's our pater. <laughs> Hallelujah. We carry his DNA. So it is inconsistent with our lineage in the Holy Ghost not to see and not to hear and not to be able to talk. There is no such thing as a man in Christ who is dumb. Hallelujah. Who is what? Dumb. A man who is born again that doesn't speak in tongues, his spirit man is dumb. You are not granting your spirit man what? Expression. Hallelujah. You're not granted your spirit man what? Expression. Amen. Now, let us quickly move into this. All right. Um, the expression being filled with the spirit. Now, so, all right, by the new birth, all right, the man in Christ, all right, has received the spirit because he's born of the spirit. So the language of the spirit, the visuals of the spirit, the power of the spirit is native to the man in Christ because we have been born of him. Let me say that again. All right. The language of the spirit, the visuals of the spirit, the power of the spirit is native to us because we have been born of the spirit. The man in Christ has the Holy Ghost when he gets born again. He doesn't get the spirit in parts. He receives the spirit in full when he is born again. So what then does it mean to be filled with the spirit? Does it mean to be full of the spirit again in our spirits? Do we run out of spirit and need to be full of spirit again? Because when you say, all right, be not drunk, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Can we turn in there? When he says, be not drunk, when you have the command and instruction to be filled with the spirit, some begin to imagine that what he's talking about is for you to have a jar, all right, that there's water inside, all right, then it gets empty, then you are going to fill it with water again. Then it gets empty, then you're going to fill it with water again. You understand? All right. But that will not make any sense because the man who is born again already has a Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is a person. Glory to God. He's a person. And if he's a person, it means he's in you 100%. So you cannot have more Holy Ghost and less Holy Ghost in you. How many of you understand that? You cannot have more Holy Ghost and less Holy Ghost. So when we sing things like more of you, more of you, Jesus, more of you, it's not in your spirit. Glory to God. For example, Sinash, more of you is a cry for more knowledge. So that's why she says, the more I know you, the more I want to know you. You know, she wrote that song after Pastor Chris taught on three kinds of knowledge. I cannot forget I was in Christ's ambassador. All right, three kinds of knowledge. So she, out of that, she now wrote 
Because what she used to do, all right, and what it will help gospel ministers to do is that Sinat, actually, if you listen to any Sinat song, there is a teaching series attached to it. Anyone. She wrote, she writes a song from the messages. Praise God. What's that one that she says? Um, I have power. What's that one? I'm walking in power. I'm walking from Pastor Chris message. We are a chosen generation. Call for to show his excellence. Praise God. So our songs are like what? Prophecies. All right? Edification, exhortation, and what? And comfort. Praise God. So it's usually wise, all right, when you are writing songs, don't go and write one emotional treatise and put Jesus inside. Do you understand? Glory to God. I'm weak this morning. Oh, come on, man. We know. Oh, I'm weak this morning. I'm down in, I mean, down with the downtrodden. Everywhere's looking bleak and dim. <laughs> when will we hear the lifted up part? You know, say, listen to me. I, look, let me tell you something. Emotional singing, we get a lot of response. So, for example, you just want to sing about COVID. COVID has taken several people, but Lord, we know you are faithful. What are you talking about? They've died. He's faithful. How? In the singing, you are to reveal the doctrine. In the singing, you are to reveal the believer's identity. In the singing, you are to reveal the believer's inheritance, not your feelings. Because just as in the teaching ministry, we are to bring people into the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in them in Christ Jesus. So you must do in the singing ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you can't sing every song. Any song that makes it look as though you are weak, disgusted, flabbergasted, is not a gospel song. Every song that has Jesus inside is not a gospel song. Hallelujah. Every song that has Jesus that has God, that's a gospel song. No. It is gospel if it is what? It's what? It celebrates what Jesus has done. You can't be singing, Holy Ghost, fire, deliver me. Holy Ghost, fire, deliver me from the enemies of my father's house. Holy Ghost, that's not gospel. That's not gospel. <laughs> Die by fire. <laughs> die by fire. Everybody wait their game, Makamo. Die by fire. Die, 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 die. That's not a gospel song. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. That's a gospel song. I don't care when you have Jesus there. It's not a gospel song. Was he saved? No. Does he inspire people to save? No. He's inspiring people to kill. It's not a gospel song. Glory to God. Any song that uses Jesus to encourage greed in the brethren, it's not a gospel song. Amen. Hallelujah. This year we drive the dagwa. This year we drive the rose. It's not a gospel song. Because the only difference between you and Jaru is I sing that song in church. You know, there was, there was this song that came out one time. I've forgotten who sang it. It was, oh God. I remember, eh? No, not that. Uh, it was, 
hey, hey, yes, we want this money. No, it's not sufficient for you. you then they <laughs> now, it's do you know that? Listen, what made me sad was that the cause that song could pass because it looked like a song of prayers. Praise God. A song of what? Of prayers. <laughs> a song sung by people celebrating Yahoo. It's not looking like song of prayers. Oh, praise God. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 5.18. <laughs> it says what? And be not drunk in wine, wherein is what? But be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. What is he talking about? But be filled with the Spirit. Let's look at 19. He says what? Speaking to yourselves. Ah, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, pay attention. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. So, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the question is this. What then does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? When, when, when a man is filled with the Spirit, are we saying that he lost the spirit or reduced in the spirit and he need to top up in the spirit? What exactly does it mean? Now, question. What does wine do? Because Paul, all right, says, be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Which means he is putting on the same pedestal the influence of wine, all right, together with the influence of the spirit. Praise God. Now, what does wine do? How do you know a man is drunk? Right? You know a man is drunk based on the altered perception he has following having drunk wine. Is that correct? So that means he's the, uh, your definition of drunkenness is a function of the level of influence the wine a man has taken has affected him. Praise God. So if someone takes wine and begins to stagger, you say, ah, it's like this guy is drunk. You understand? So when he is full of wine, Hallelujah. When a man is full of wine, okay, he may not be able to walk well. All right? He may be staggering around, which means to be full of wine is descriptive all right, or describes the influence of wine over his senses. Oh, praise God. So when we say the man is full of wine, what we are saying is not that, it's not that he drank wine. No. It is that he has drank wine but now, the effect of that wine can be seen, all right, in the suspension of his senses. It has affected his perception. Are you following? Come on, are you following? Are you following? So when he says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, all right, that feeling of the Spirit or that infilling of the Spirit is describing or is talking about the influence of the spirit over your what of your over your soul and over your body he's talking about the influence of the spirit over the total man because you have received the holy ghost all right or you have been born of the spirit in your spirit to be filled with the spirit means that the influence of the spirit pervades your soul the influence of the spirit pervades your body hallelujah this is why one sign to know that a man is filled all right is that we hear him speak and one way for him to be filled is that he has to speak. Praise God. 
We know a man is full of the Spirit by speak, by the words he speak, and we know that a man should be filled with the Spirit or can be filled with the Spirit by speaking. Look at what it says: Be not drunk in wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking. Speaking. So the more you speak, the more the Spirit has influence over your faculties. The more you speak, the more the Spirit has influence over your faculties. So be filled with the Spirit is descriptive of the influence of the Spirit over your faculties. Hallelujah. So you find in Scripture, when a man is said to be full of the Spirit, you will find that that being full, Filled with the Spirit was always tied to something. They wouldn't just say the man was filled with the Spirit because I'm outside looking at you. All right? I can't see the Spirit. Amen. Because it's Spirit. But many times I can see your actions. So it is from your actions I will be able to know, all right, that the Spirit's influence over you is total. Praise God. Let me show you some examples so you understand what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Look at Acts 4.31. Acts 4.31. In Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, notice, and when they had prayed, all right, the place was shaking where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How do we know that they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Because they spake the word of God with what? Boldness. Are you seeing that? Which means the influence of the Spirit overwhelmed them to the point that they were no longer afraid of the Sanhedrin's ability to put them in jail. Hallelujah. So they went out preaching the word with boldness despite the threats to their life. Praise God. That is the influence of the Spirit. Amen. Now look at Acts of Apostles chapter number 6. And five. Acts of Apostles chapter number six and verse five into eight. It says, And this same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to show you something very important that I want you to notice. Whenever they wanted to talk about the class of deacons that were ordained, the name of Stephen was always first. How many of you notice that? Look at it. He said, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And who else? Who else did they choose? So that means the second in the class was Philip. Amen. The other ones, did you hear of them after this deacon ordination? No. Praise the Lord. You need to understand the message here. <laughs> now, I want you to also notice something else. Look at the description or the profile of Stephen. He says, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and what? What description did they give the rest? Nothing. He just put all of them together. Ah, listen to me. After you have received the Holy Ghost, after you have received the message, after you have received the training, it is your decision whether you will stand out. 
is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. If you are in a church, let your labor be so evident that when they want to mention people, they mention you first. Look at what he says. He says, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Now, we will now see why. Remember I told you that it's not that a food of the Holy Ghost, no, they show for faith. You have to. There must be certain things you have done. Praise God. Except that time full of the Holy Ghost is a lie. Look what it says. It's a full of the Holy Ghost. All right? A man full of the Holy Ghost will be a man full of utterance. Right? A man full of the Holy Ghost will be a man full of what? Revelations. A man full of the Holy Ghost will be a man full of power. Because those things are where? In the Holy Ghost. So if a man is full of the Holy Ghost, it will mean that all the things in the Holy Ghost will influence the man. And he will manifest those things. Is that clear? Amen. He will manifest those things. Look at verse 6. He says, whom they said before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, verse 8. It now says what? And Stephen, full of what? Faith and what? Power. So that means, you see, when it says fully full of faith and power, someone will say, oh, it says about Holy Ghost. It now talks faith full of faith and power. Faith and power are where? In the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Faith and power are where? In the Holy Ghost. We also having the same spirit of faith. I have believed. Therefore, do I what? Speak. Hallelujah. Amen. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Glory to God. So faith and power comes by the Holy Ghost. Is that Stephen full of faith and power? How do we know that Stephen was full of great and power? He did great wonders and miracles where? Among the people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say out loud, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I show proofs that I am full. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the influence. So when we are saying, all right, when we're saying be, be not drunk with wine, when we say, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, when we begin to speak in tongues and we begin to speak Psalms and spiritual songs, we are drinking or increasing the influence of the Spirit over our entire being. Praise God. That's what we're doing. If you look at, all right, in Acts 4 31, they prayed. They must have been praying in the Spirit. So they prayed in the Spirit until what? They were full. They prayed in the Spirit until the Holy Ghost took over. So being filled with the Spirit is what? Speaking or praying in the Holy Ghost or singing psalms, sins, and spiritual songs until the Holy Ghost takes over your being. Until your perception of that challenge has changed. Hallelujah. Praise God. You, until you stop thinking naturally and start thinking Holy Ghostistically, Abi, how do we say it? Thinking according to the frequency of the Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Look at Acts 7 and 55. Acts 7, 55. This is Stephen again. The Bible says, because this was Stephen when he was, you know, um, being um, stoned. So at the point of him dying, look at what it says. It says, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked upward steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Can you see that? So you, the scriptures never says anyone is full of the Holy Ghost without something tied to it. 
So when he says the man is full of the Holy Ghost, it is either he's working miracles, signs, and wonders. If he says the man is full of the Holy Ghost, it's either he's preaching the what? The, the message boldly. So you may ask me a question. Now, Pastor, I don't I have not been able to walk up the courage to preach the gospel in the bus. Have you have you full of the Holy Ghost? I know you have the spirit. I know you are born of the spirit, but have you are you full of the Holy Ghost? Because if you are full of the Holy Ghost, that, that question you're asking, you asking will not arise. Because if you are full of the Holy Ghost, it means the Holy Ghost has taken over. Because we've seen, all right, that certain things happen when a man is full of the Holy Ghost. Number one, he will be bold. Glory to God. He will be what? He will be bold. So when we see boldness, we say, oh, that guy is full of the Holy Ghost. What other thing do we find? When a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, we will find that he will, be, he will walk wonders and signs. So when we see wonders and signs and miracles, the man is filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. All right? Then another thing we find when the man is filled with the Holy Ghost is that he will, walk, he, will have, he will have visions of God. So the expression full of the Holy Ghost is not a statement just made. It's a statement made with a manifestation of the Spirit in connection with the manifestation of the Spirit. All right? It's like when the Bible says, John says, all right, John's language is different. He will say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Praise God. When John says, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, what John was saying, I was full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. All right. John's manner of writing is different from Luke's manner of writing. Hallelujah. All right. It's different from Luke's manner of writing. It's different from Paul's writing. So you need to know what each writer is trying to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It was in the spirit. It was on an island. He had nothing to do there but pray. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, if you are if they if you if they put you in jail for the gospel, you know you will you will have nothing for entertainment but visions. <laughs> Hallelujah. What other entertainment will you have? You are in jail. Because when you are in jail, what will you do the most? Speak in tongues. Is that correct? And the more you are speaking in tongues, you'll be full of the Holy Ghost. And when you are full of the Holy Ghost, what happened? You will see the heavens opened. <laughs> yes. Notice something. I want you to notice something. <laughs> this thing I want to say. In scripture, the great mysteries unveiled in that book, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, were tied to men that were imprisoned. <laughs> They were tied to men that were what? The book of Philippians. Paul wrote it while he was in prison. Prison. John, revelations. These revelations that have brought a lot of things about vaccine. All right. And the code. I mean, was in prison. Praise God. I'm not saying that you should go and break someone's head so that they will put you in Lagos prison. I can assure you, in Lagos prison, you won't see visions there. <laughs> Just go and pay a visit. That one, you are going to have hallucination. Maybe Swedish prison, you know. American prison, I'm not even sure. What does that tell us? It means that in a period of isolation, when you are locked away, just you and God, is usually the best time for visitation. Where you have no other distraction, and your attention is fully focused on who? God. Hallelujah. Some of us, you know, some of us, 
we start speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. But we are not full with the Spirit because we have not given that time for the Holy Ghost to take over. Glory to God. So, we, you know, that influence is 30% or 20%. You know, influence can be measured in percentage. We can say, oh, all right, the, 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 the spirit has, has 20% influence over him. So at 20% influence or your, your inner man at 20% charge. Okay, let me even use the phone. How many of you, um, you've seen your phone, right? You have phones. How many of you have phones here? Now, how many of you notice that when your phone dies, glory to God, when your phone dies, you can't use the phone. Is there something wrong with your phone when your phone dies? It's just not charged, correct? Correct? So it's not charged. Hallelujah. Now, when your phone is around 10%, 5%, or 1%, you know your phone will begin to tell you, ah, something's wrong, go. if you don't charge this thing to, you know, there's going to be a problem. Then you now find out that, you know, during that time of low battery, all right, your internet may not work as it should work, all right, because your phone wants to go into saving power mode. Hallelujah. But when you take your phone and you charge it overnight, glory to God. Glory to God. You know, you charge it overnight to 100%. That's awesome. Now, all of the faculties of the phone are functional. Hallelujah. Then you unplug. And let me tell you something. You see, that's a good analogy. But you see, after you've charged it overnight, you are supposed to plug it also to a what? A power bank. So that the thing will never go. Glory to God. Listen, practice overnight charging of your inner man. Practice overnight charging, then, all right, steady, continuous, daily charging of your inner man. In other words, stay filled with the Spirit. Don't visit that place where the Holy Ghost has taken over. Live there. Glory to God. Live there. Live perpetually in that place where the Holy Ghost has taken over your faculties. Live in that place perpetually where the Holy Ghost has taken over your faculties. Holy Ghost has taken over your hearing. Holy Ghost has taken over your seeing. Holy Ghost has taken over your speaking. Where anytime T, we can get direct line from the Holy Ghost from your lips. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The believer in Christ or the man in Christ must, should be so consecrated that he maintains a lifestyle of being perpetually full of the Spirit. What's that? Because if he's full of the Spirit, anything in the Holy Ghost that somebody will need, he can supply it. He doesn't need to go and urgently have a three-day time of prayer. No. Anything, that, you know, he will supply. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be not drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It means to come under the influence or allow the Spirit within you influence your outer man. Praise God. To influence your outer man. To influence your outer man. All right. To influence your outer man. Hallelujah. 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 So let us write this down. Man is spirit, soul, and body. To be filled with the Spirit is to be overwhelmed with the presence and influence of the Spirit over your mind and your body. 
man is spirit, soul, and body. To be filled with the spirit is to be overwhelmed with the presence and influence of the spirit over your mind and body. To be filled with the spirit, we mean to show in your reasonings. To be filled with the spirit, we mean to show in your reasonings and actions every single attribute of the Holy Ghost in your spirit that is in the gifts and fruits of the spirit. Notice that when you are full of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, you find it difficult to hate that person you have been hating. So when you find it easy to be in offense, that is a sign that you are not being filled with the Holy Ghost. So when somebody says things like, I cannot, I don't think I can ever, ever forgive him. That person has not been filled with the Spirit of God in a while. Praise God. Because the infilling of the Spirit and unforgiveness does not, it doesn't rhyme. Why? Remember, the man who is filled with the Spirit is the one who has been forgiven. And remember we said, tongues is language of the what? Of the forgiven. So how can a man who is filled with the Spirit now walk in unforgiveness? So when you see the believer walking in unforgiveness, he has, it's been a while. He came under the influence of the Spirit. Praise God. I said, praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right. So we said, yeah. So to be filled with the Spirit, we mean to show in your reasonings and actions every single attribute of the Holy Ghost in your spirit that is in gifts and fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, please notice that the infilling of the Spirit is mostly linked with speaking. The man who speaks in the Spirit increases the influence of the Spirit over his soul and body. Remember we said in James chapter 3 verse 1 that the tongue, glory to God, is the what? Is the what? Is the steering wheel. Is the part that controls the entire body. So the influence of, if you want to have influence over the body of a man, the way to have that influence is through his tongue. Hallelujah. So if you are going to give influence or get overwhelmed by the Holy Ghost or be filled with the Spirit, the key is through what? Speaking. So that's why he says, be not drunk in wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking. Hallelujah. So the way to being filled is by what? Speaking. Glory to God. Speaking. Speaking. You know, the, you know, these services are actually training for ministry. You understand? I may have noticed that. It's to teach you so you understand how these things are and how they work. Because, you see, you cannot be an effective minister if you have not learned how to stay filled with the Spirit. Ministry is impossible. You, you cannot do ministry by, when you are dry. Hallelujah. You can't. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Praise God. Amen. I have to stop now because of time. But we still have some grounds to go tomorrow. Have you been blessed today? Have you learned something today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you, all right, you, you speak in tongues because you are alive. You speak in tongues as proof that you have been forgiven. You speak in tongues as proof that you are at peace with God. Glory to God. And you are listening to me and you say, but I don't speak in tongues. You can. And if you let us teach you, all right, who you are in Christ, all right, then you should. Glory to God. You should. 
Why? Well, because very simply, all right, speaking in tongues is a celebration of the glorification of Jesus. Speaking in tongues is a celebration of what? The glorification of Jesus. As we saw, they spoke in tongues and they did what? Magnified God. They spoke in tongues and they did what? Magnified God. So when we speak in tongues, we offer perfect praise to God. Glory to God. We offer what? Perfect praise. Perfect praise. Praise without a fault. Praise considering all the paradigms. Hallelujah. Praise considering all the paradigms. That's what we offer to God. Perfect praise. Perfect praise. And when we speak in other tongues, we advance. Hallelujah. We advance ourselves. We advance ourselves. All right. We advance ourselves. You know, as we go on, I wish I had I, I, I have time to share. All right. Where that when you pray in tongues, you cannot pray amiss. Because when you pray in tongues, you are praying the desires of the spirit, not your fleshly desires. So when he says, whatsoever you, uh, whatsoever you desire, you know, when Jesus Christ talked about whatever you, um, you know, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, when we come into the New Testament, that desire is from your spirit. Hallelujah. Because your flesh cannot desire what is right. Praise God. So he says, well, so that desire is from your spirit. So when you are praying in the spirit, you are presenting your spirit's desires or the spirit's desires. Glory to God. To the Lord. That's what you're doing. Amen. So you begin to act in accordance with his will. Praise God. And we know that his will is not bad because he loves us. Amen. Praise God. So we can rest knowing that he's got our back. Praise God. Can we rise up on our feet and just pray in the Holy Ghost? Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.